This is Make Yourself at Home, a BizNow podcast where we examine how the pandemic is reshaping real estate, development, cities, and our workplace. In this episode, we head to California and speak with our Bay Area reporter, Dean Berner. Just like New York, the state's moving through a phased reopening process. And there are many parallels between San Francisco and New York City when it comes to the fallout of COVID-19. Transit is a big factor for workers coming back to the office, and there are fears that this crisis will drive even more people out of the increasingly unaffordable city. Plus, big office occupiers, the tech firms namely, have made public statements about their newfound appreciation of remote work that could be causing some angst, Not that many landlords are saying they're worried just yet. From his home in Walnut Creek, which is in the East Bay area near Oakland, Dean talked to me about where the impact of the crisis has been felt the most and what the reopening has meant for real estate. Statewide, there are four phases uh, initiated by the governor. The Bay Area itself uh, is lagging behind out of an abundance of caution and other concerns in, in what they choose to allow to reopen these days. So what we're looking at in San Francisco Barbers, uh, gyms, other kind of businesses, outdoor dining, uh, opening up pretty much around this time. Indoor dining possibly allowed later this summer. But it's really been kind of slow going in the Bay Area itself, at least compared to some places like, let's say, Southern California, Orange County, which have really kind of opened up in mass, uh, relatively speaking. So there's been some pushback from the commercial real estate community as a result of the slow reopening. When you mentioned the pushback from the real estate community, where are people most annoyed? It's where you'd expect, I would say, in in hospitality and and retail. There's been a push by uh, local governments in in San Jose and and others in Silicon Valley and also San Francisco to kind of open up streets uh, to more outdoor dining um, and allow streamlined permitting for those kind of things. As you've seen in other parts of the country, curbside pickup has been adopted by a lot of retailers and other restaurants. But for the most part, there's been some backlash against Newsom and and other county leaders and local officials at at kind of the the slower opening. Where are the pressure points when we talk about this phased reopening? In New York, the nature of the city is the problem. So cramped restaurants, for example, and bars make it really challenging for hospitality. The fact that the city's office ecosystems are really, really built around the subway means that a lot of office workers don't feel safe, even though offices can officially open this week. From a commercial real estate perspective from where you are, where are the big obstacles? It's not dissimilar from New York in a lot of ways in that you have a, uh, a lot of commuters relying on the Bay Area's regional transit system and likely, you know, for, for better or worse, hesitant about taking public transit for the time being. So when that does start to become more fully allowed office use, it seems right now companies are going to be hesitant to really embrace that and, and remote work will probably continue through the summer for a lot of people. And longer term, should that continue, you might see a shift towards suburban uh, office markets, a shift towards suburban housing, which would bode well for some of the East Bay communities, you know, Oakland included, who are a little less reliant on public transit in the same way San Francisco is. This has been a big discussion point, this whole work from home experiment that the entire country and the entire world really has been on. 
And when Facebook comes out and says that it's it's switching more to remote work, when the big banks say we're seeing the value of remote work, when someone like Twitter says, oh, you can stay at home forever. I mean, these are fundamental shifts in the way that we do our job. How seriously do you think landlords are taking it in the Bay Area? I mean, on, on paper, they say that they're they're pretty confident in the stability of the office market into the long term, given some of the things that you just can't really replace through remote remote work. You know, talent recruitment, building a company culture, collaboration, these are all kind of hallmarks of Silicon Valley and San Francisco. And they're kind of the reasons for the big campuses you see uh, scattered around Silicon Valley, whether it's Apple Spaceship Campus or, or Twitter, for instance, which is one of the companies that has embraced remote work for the time being. They've got a, a pretty big office property on Market Street, the big thoroughfare in, in downtown San Francisco. They say that they're going to pivot at least partially to remote work. And at the same time, they don't have plans, as I reported earlier during the crisis, they don't have plans to, to shrink or, or cut any of their office footprint. So I think office proponents have pointed to that as a need for the office, even despite the shift towards remote work. And coincidentally, their office landlord, Shorenstein Properties, one of the bigger ones in San Francisco, I've spoken with as just kind of an example of a landlord pretty bullish on, on downtown office real estate in San Francisco. Their CEO, Brandon Shorenstein, saying they've already heard requests from tenants to add more space uh, to better socially distance within the workplace. It definitely sounds like people are using the same key anecdotes uh, there than they are as they are here, which is, oh, people, people want to collaborate and people need to be together. Whereas the companies have a different approach, which is if we didn't need to pay for this stuff and we can do it just as well without an office, maybe we really got to think about how valuable this office is. Has there been an impact yet in terms of the multifamily market? Is anything showing up in the figures in terms of this switch to remote work? There are some early signs of rent starting to fall, especially in certain pockets of the Bay Area, be it along the peninsula. And then in San Francisco specifically, there are reports of rent starting to fall um, from their highs, which we saw last year. You know, one bedrooms asking rents for $3,600 in, in San Francisco. A as of now, I think we're about 100 days into this crisis, uh, you have the San Francisco Apartment Association reporting uh, that you have one out of 13 San Francisco renters have, have broken their leases or paid to break their leases. So that would possibly point to the tech workforce and other workers in the Bay Area uh, embracing their ability to move elsewhere but keep the same job they have. It also might point to you know Gen Z and, and millennials who are jobless at the moment moving back in with their parents uh, outside of the Bay Area. Um, there are a few things that can point to, but anecdotally, I spoke to a developer of a relatively new multifamily project in Menlo Park, which is uh, some people might recognize as Facebook's hometown, and they said that they've seen a decently sized uptick in tenants who just decided to pay the breakage fees on their leases and, and walk away. And that really started in earnest uh, the day after Facebook publicly announced their uh, remote work policy. So uh, they admitted that it's a little too early to get too concerned about that. If that was ever going to happen really quickly, it probably would have been at that property or a property like that in Menlo Park with a lot of Facebook employees. 
but there are just kind of burgeoning signs of uh, some some slackening demand for Bay Area housing, which you know might be, might be a good thing. There, there kind of needs to be some relief on on uh, rents and prices on on Bay Area housing given the housing crisis. One in thirteen um, leases being broken sounds like a really high number. Is it as high as it sounds? Is that unusual? It's unprecedented from from people I've spoken with. And I think it's a it's a cause for concern for a lot of developers. Although a component of that just simply might be people jobless having to leave the Bay Area for the time being. But once the economy turns around again and we enter a more certain kind of recovery phase, people you know leasing up those vacancies relatively quickly. It's worrisome, as I think that that's how most people would describe it. But a little too early to to glean too much yet. Is there a significant shift in what landlords are asking? So we can look at. San Francisco itself, reports by Zumper showing May rents having fallen almost 10%, I believe year over year, if not month over month. And East Bay rents are remaining relatively solid. You have a place like Oakland. It, it was last year, the, the first time Oakland saw more housing units come online than San Francisco, which was a real milestone. You'd think that would bode poorly for them given a time like this. So far, rents are kind of remaining okay, but landlords are starting to offer some pretty generous concessions to try to lease up their new properties, a few months of free rent up front, other things like that. I mean, the, the Menlo Park example, uh, I, I'm not sure exactly where Menlo Park's rents have gone, but there are cities like that pretty relying on the tech economy who have seen rents fall in the double digits month over month. When you talk to people, like for example, in New York, there's been basically a story every second day about people working through this existential crisis that they are having about leaving the city and whether or not they want to stay in the city. Is that something that's worrying the developers, the brokers, the business people that you hear from in the Bay Area? Considering you already have those numbers suggesting that people are leaving. As I think you, you've probably seen, Miriam, firsthand, there's been talks of, of kind of minor exoduses out of New York and, and San Francisco even before the, the coronavirus. And since then, those talks have definitely accelerated because of the high costs in both regions. Business leaders are, are pretty optimistic about the long-term prospects. You still have a lot of the most well-heeled tech companies headquartered here in Silicon Valley and, and San Francisco, even if they, they are kind of embracing a move to, towards remote work. So you really, you still see a lot of long-term optimism from the business community about the Bay Area's prospects. Whether that's right or wrong, that, that'll take some time to figure out. There was a proposed state bill that would have been very friendly to small businesses, a kind of a tenant relief bill that went down in flames last week. What killed it? So there was a bill initially proposed in March um, by... Uh, a state senator from representing San Francisco, Senator Scott Weiner. Um, and it started out as an emergency eviction moratorium, as we've seen in a lot of, of counties and uh, city governments around the country. And it reemerged here recently in May, amended to kind of deal with the way landlords and hospitality tenants were, were uh, renegotiating their lease agreements. And it, it, it was interesting because it, it came from someone in, in Senator Weiner who was really kind of a darling of the commercial real, real estate community. He was 
the author of a bill that uh, fell early on this year, uh, SB 50, that would have streamlined housing near transit and other job centers across the state. It was something supported by housing advocates, big money, real estate interests alike across the state. It fell apart. Now he's kind of, he's gotten on the wrong side of the commercial real estate community and he proposed a bill. So uh, if uh, a hospitality tenant and landlord uh, after 30 days didn't really come to an agreement to, to renegotiate their lease, it would have allowed many of those hospitality tenants to walk away from their leases and essentially terminate them, only really being on the hook and liable for about six months rent. Uh, Senator Wiener's argument on behalf of the bill basically amounted to, it was really, you know, hospitality tenants who had seen drastic cuts to their revenue to begin with, who have, who will continue to have to go through uh, capacity reductions in their bar or restaurant or, or place of entertainment and are kind of hampered by state regulation in that way. And landlords really weren't going to be benefiting from much rent from those companies to begin with. At the same time, you had really the commercial real estate community and organizations come out in full force against this bill. They said it would be ruinous for the economy. They said it was it was kind of really crossing the line to basically rule somewhat null and void a lot of these lease agreements. And long story short, the bill ended up not passing the Appropriations Committee last week. And that was primarily could argue a a product of of, uh, the commercial real estate industry coming out in pretty full force against the bill. And that's that's kind of where we stand now in in terms of emergency legislative relief for California sectors of the economy that have really suffered the brunt of all this, like in other states, uh, hospitality and and smaller businesses. You interviewed Scott Wiener last week about the bill falling apart. What did he say in terms of the commercial real estate industry's ability to to kill it, essentially. Yeah, he was. He said he was deeply disappointed. He was accepting of the political reality that that's kind of politics as they are now. And he was frustrated, I guess, with effectiveness with which commercial real estate lobbied against the bill and convinced a lot of his colleagues that it would have some dire uh, economic repercussions for, for California. And California's Senate, they, uh, the legislative session adjourns uh, August 31st. So the clock is kind of ticking for Wiener and his co-author of the bill, Lena Gonzalez, to kind of uh, get something together. He told me he'll have to kind of go through other legislative channels, working with Governor Newsom or other legislative leaders to try to get something uh, on the books to prevent a lot of small businesses and hospitality companies from evictions and also just kind of allow them some some rent relief. The gist of where he was at as of last week, you know, this was mere hours after the bill was essentially killed by the Senate Appropriations Committee. The gist was, as I've said all along, if this isn't the solution, tell me what is, but what isn't a viable solution is in action because where we're heading as, you know, different restaurant groups and other small business advocates will tell you is a kind of extinction event for a lot of companies and devastation for a lot of commercial corridors and downtowns across the state. For instance, the, the California Restaurant Association estimates that, you know, California might see 25 or 30 percent of its uh, restaurants permanently closed as a result of this. Are there other bills in the works or other policies hovering around that the real estate industry is looking at, worrying about and focusing on to try and stop? There's nothing specific to the emergency that's really potentially going to go through. 
uh, California Business Properties Association um, also made kind of their thoughts going forward known in that they essentially said they're going to be vigilantly watching any kind of replacements or, or similar legislative proposals that might spring up and oppose those proposals pretty vehemently. You know, I, just as a, as a reaction to SB 939, you had business groups saying that they were prepared to sue basically immediately once that kind of law was, was put in place. So I, I think Senator Weiner and, and other lawmakers here in California, they've been very ambitious with some of the proposals they've had. And time is of the essence, obviously, given the emergency. I'm sure he's probably trying to craft something to try to deal with the crisis. And you know, given what we've seen so far, commercial real estate will be, will be ready for, for when it comes. So you've already had your hair cut. What are you doing next? Have you been to a restaurant yet? I haven't. I haven't. Uh, <laughs> the cases uh, in California, they've, they've spiked the last couple of days. So I think I, I want to give it a few weeks you know, uh, of things calming down before I really kind of jump back into, <laughs> into normalcy again. I'll stick with the haircut for now. That was my number one priority. Dean, thanks so much. I really appreciate you making time. Thank you, Miriam.